And Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web second, Radio. Uh, uh, now, David, I've been gone for a few weeks. Uh, I, went, I had some surgery and was, was off to a few weeks in a row. But I'm back now. Uh, bigger, badder, better than before. Um, batterist. Batterist. Uh, so, but during this time frame, several things have happened. There was, for example... Uh, a lawsuit filed in uh, both in California and in Massachusetts, two different lawsuits, on Trump's ending of temporary protected status uh, for um, uh, four countries, Salvador, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Sudan, um, and now Honduras. Uh, there was a lawsuit filed against them uh, challenging the termination of uh, TPS for those countries. And... Uh, uh, the uh, judge in California, Judge Edward Chen, refused to dismiss the lawsuit, uh, which means that uh, in August or September there will be a hearing on a preliminary injunction to block the termination of the TPS program. Um, and uh, it was, again, a, another loss for Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, by the way, he loses a lot. Uh, you'd think Trump would get tired of him at this point. Uh, one of my very good, very good friends, Ava Banash, she, uh, her Twitter account, uh, I think every day, uh, she tweets to Trump and says, you know, fire Sessions. He's, he's not representing you well. <laughs> uh, but uh, he, 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 Jeff Sessions has these ideas about what the law should be uh, that don't comply with the United States Constitution or existing federal law. Uh, and thus he loses. Uh, and they've done a great job uh, of making immigration lawyers great again. And helping us keep America great. Uh, the one of the claims in this TPS lawsuit was that Trump violated the constitutional right of equal protection by showing racial animus or prejudice. Now, this of course cites to uh, Trump's um, infamous reference in January to Haiti, El Salvador, and certain African countries as "s-hole countries," um, and. Um, the judge, Judge Chen, wrote, quote, Plaintiffs have plausibly pled that President Trump made statements which a reasonable observer could construe as evidence of racial animus against non-white immigrants, and that he thereafter influenced and tainted the Department of Homeland Security's decision-making process with regard to TPS. Um, they can also uh, continue the lawsuit because the policy change lacked a required by law Reasoned explanation, uh, and uh, so it should uh, it should see uh, see what happens there. Of course, the DOJ declined comment on this, and uh, we we will see uh, what ultimately goes on in the California lawsuit. Similarly, uh, there was a lawsuit in uh, in uh, I think it's Boston over the same issue, uh, where the judge similarly uh, uh, refused to terminate the case. Uh, and allows it to uh, to go forward uh, in the context of um, uh, the TPS uh, withdrawal. It's it's going to be uh, fascinating uh, as as we move forward here uh, to see whether or not these lawsuits actually mandate that TPS continue. And, and this is where it gets a little weird. I don't have any doubt, David that Trump has the authority through Hamlet Security to terminate temporary protected status. He clearly has that authority to do that. There's no doubt that he has that authority to do that. But what these guys, and, and, and I think it's the same hubris that Obama had when he created DAPA. 
they don't want to follow the rules to do so. Look, if you want to end DACA, that's easy. Publish a ruling and a memo in the Federal Register, publish a reg change, and just do it. Uh, and it it's not hard, uh, but I think their hubris is uh, so much so that um, uh, they just they just refuse to recognize the fact that uh, that they can be doing that they need they can do it, but they have to do it the right way. Uh, and so far, the right way is is not something they want they want to follow on a regular basis. So, yeah, you know, heck with them. If they don't want to follow the rules, that's okay. Now, that said, we give an update on the TPS legislation, TPS litigation that's going on. As everybody knows, the judge in California ruled that uh, they could not terminate DACA the way they did, which was by memo, uh, that they had to they had to follow the APA. You know, and 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 really all they have to do is again, go to the Federal Register, say we're terminating the program, uh, we don't believe it's serving any useful purpose, uh, we don't believe it's proper under the law, and we're hereby giving notice that in 60 days it's terminating. And they don't do it. They, they could have done that, heck, six months ago. Uh, but instead they've let DACA continue, and again, all the DACA listeners and the lawyers are listening, uh, I've been begging DACA recipients to renew their DACA, and yet less than 20% have done so. Um, uh, it is, it's sad, actually. It's really quite sad uh, that the kids that have the ability to get this extra two years on their DACA aren't doing so. Uh, and, and when DACA does end, which we're going to talk about here in a second, uh, they're the ones that are going to be holding the short stick. So right now, uh, what ended up happening is the Texas Attorney General who I think has delusions of grandeur about becoming president. Uh, he thinks that being anti-immigration is the way to America's heart. I think Trump is an absolute aberration on that. We will not see that repeated. Uh, he sued the Trump administration for not ending DACA. Well, they sued it because he's declaring it un- trying to declare it unconstitutional. Uh, now, there are several courts that have already held that DACA is constitutional, but this time they knew if they filed in the Southern District of Texas, uh, they would probably get Judge Hannon, and they did. They got Judge Hannon through a little bit of sleight of hand, and a disappointing little bit of sleight of hand, but a disappointing, but he nonetheless. And John, Judge Hannon is he that ruled that DAPA was unconstitutional. DAPA was improperly produced, and a, Hannon was right about that, uh, on this show and on my blog, we've argued for years, you know, Obama should have published it in the Federal Register. But he did not do it. Uh, but DACA has, at least parts of DACA, the employment parts, have been in the Federal Register. Uh, it has worked fine till now. But they have Judge Hannon. Uh, the good news is a whole bunch of Texas businesses have weighed in uh, just last week to argue that uh, DACA should continue. The DACA is constitutional. Uh, a number of attorney generals have weighed in. Uh, on the side of, of the DACA recipients. Clearly, the Trump administration is not defending the policy, so therefore there is a private, private groups that are defending the DACA policy. But I don't have any doubt that Judge Hannon, who is re- ultimately a political act- activist uh, for, the, for, for this policy, for these policies and anti-immigration to the core, will in fact find the case to be unconstitutional. Now, the only thing I'm not up on is does his order... Trump the order from uh, the California District Court and the Maryland District Court and the, and the Massachusetts District Court. Uh, that, that I don't know. But let's presume that in early August, 
uh, Hannon rules that uh, DACA is unconstitutional, uh, it is no doubt that the Trump administration will then say, well, you know, we have competing requests here, so we're going to just hold everything in abeyance and not do anything and not take any more applications until the Supreme Court rules on it. So this is basically setting up a, another Supreme Court case uh, on this issue, and we are going to have to fight this out tooth and nail uh, all the way till the end of time. But until then, I strongly encourage DACA kids File your TPS. The lawyers encourage your clients to get their get um, get their DACA extended. File the DACA extension. Get that thing out the door um, because you never know. Uh, and if they ultimately say it's unconstitutional, they will have to return the money. They don't get to keep the money if they haven't adjudicated the application. So they will get you'll get your money back. So you're not going to lose money. And people are concerned. Well, they're going to know my address. They already know your address. I mean, you're required by federal law to give them your address under the AR-11 within move of any five, five days of any move. So. Have your address. I there, there is no way that ICE is going to go start taking the information from uh, USCIS and start rounding up DACA recipients. It's just not going to happen. Uh, they, they neither have the bodies, and many of them have not neither the interest in doing that. So, you know, the updates today on, on the litigation that's out there on TPS and on DACA is you've got to got to pay attention. Uh, you got to you got to be aware of what's going on, and you've got to also uh, really. Un- try to understand uh, the, uh, the 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 depths to which this administration will go uh, to make to make your life as hard as humanly possible uh, as an immigrant in the United States. Uh, it is uh, it's going to be a long slog over the next two and a half years, uh, and but we have to really, particularly those of us that are professionals in this area. Uh, we have to lead the way. We have to be the ones that stand up and say, this far and no farther. Um, and if we do that, if we uh, are telling our clients that we're here to fight on their behalf, that we're willing to go into the public, that we're willing to uh, take the uh, um, take the the heat from people. Uh, you, know, you know, some guy on Facebook says, well, you're an immigration lawyer. Of course you favor immigration. That's why you hate Trump. And I'm thinking, you're clearly clueless. You must be an idiot. Uh, who is busier now than ever before? Immigration lawyers. Uh, who has more cases than ever before? Immigration lawyers. Trump, Trump is great for immigration lawyers, besides making us win all the time, because we're super busy. But that's not what we want. It's blood money. We don't want people out of desperation. We want clients that want to fix their problem for the right reason. Let's take our first break here on the Immigration Hour on America. Si usted tiene problemas con la inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611 a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com
Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, you know what today is? Today is, is runoff, voting runoff day here in Georgia. Uh, there's not much to vote for. Um, we have, uh, of course, um, our, uh, our governor, our lieutenant governor, and our sec- secretary of state, uh, are all up in a primary for the GOP uh, as a runoff. Uh, there is, of course, I think the most important runoff, which is uh, that of the opponent for um, Karen Handel. Uh, so, David, I, are, you, are you voting today? Are you getting out to vote in, the, I imagine, the GOP primary? After your show, you're going to run on down. and uh, Well, you have to run wherever your house is, though. So... Or if you haven't changed your address yet, your old house was. Um, uh, I voted, of course, early voting, which was great uh, and pretty no hassle. Um, but I'm, I'm excited uh, to see, hopefully, Kevin Abel uh, get the nomination. You know, there's two people running against Karen Handel. Karen Handel, of course, is the one that shut down uh, Ted Lieu on the House floor for showing pictures of detained, detained babies in the baby jails. She shut him down. Uh, she has condemned Trump for nothing. She is literally a, a Trumpette uh, for uh, for Trump here in the district, and I think she's wildly out of step with the members of this district. Uh, but the two opponents that are that are potentially running against her, one is Lucy McBath, the other is Kevin Abel. Uh, Lucy McBath seems like a very nice woman, uh, and uh, but she is a one-issue candidate, David, and an issue that would have you vote for Karen Handel if she was the opponent. You know what that issue is, David? She is anti-Second Amendment. She's, she's just uh, gun control, gun control. That's all she is. She's made an, I mean, sadly enough, her son was murdered uh, uh, by, by, by somebody with an illegal gun. Um, and she's taken, and I respect the fact that she took gun control up as, 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 a, as an issue. Everybody has a right, of course, to advocate how they want to advocate. Uh, but at the same time, she is not going to win the 6th District against, Lucy, against uh, Karen Handel on gun control. Am I right about that, David? Yeah, David, David, who is wildly in touch with every voting member of the Sixth District of Georgia, uh, he says zero chance. Kevin Abel uh, is a, is a you know he's not a socialist. I can tell you that. Kevin's a, a former business owner, also a cancer survivor, uh, and uh, an immigrant from South Africa as a, as a young man. I think he was thirteen or so when his parents came over. <laughs> but really, a, a terrific man who's lived in the district uh, for the last twenty five years. Um, I think he is a formidable opponent uh, to uh, to Karen Handel, um, but at the same time, uh, he's got to beat Lucy McBath, and she's been getting tons of out-of-state money. Ninety uh, percent of her money is from out-of-state. Ninety uh, percent of Kevin's money is from in-state. Uh, says a lot, doesn't it? Says a lot. Local elections have power. So, David, uh, since you'll be voting in the GOP primary today, I imagine because you voted because you can't vote in Democratic primary if you voted at the GOP in the last in, in the run in the in, general, in, in the primary. Um, you, I'm just curious: Are you a Kemp guy or are you a Cagle guy? 
Or do you like the guy that just bared his buttocks uh, to... I was going to write your name in, actually. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I, I would love to be governor. Remember, on, the, on our voting machines, I've never found exactly where you write... It is that. there. It's really... It's at the end. It's really hard to find. I mean, it's clearly... It's designed not to be easy. Yeah. It's designed not to be easy. So... Accomplish that well. So, uh, do you go with the Trump-endorsed Kemp, or do you go with the deep state establishment Kegel? Or you don't even know yet until you go in there. Got to go with Kemp this time. Well, I can tell you that Stacey Abrams is very hoping that you do that. Uh, it's uh, sort of the uh, worst of two evils, actually. How is it that we keep getting choices like that? You know, For example, I think the runoff for, for Karen Handel's opponent, I think they're both good people. I mean, I think they're good people. Um, they both have, you know, at least Kevin's got really good ideas. I think Lucy's just so focused on... Uh, guns that she can't can't see the the bigger picture, but um, they're good people. Uh, Kemp, you know, Cagle. Well, we know what Cagle's like. I mean, he's just literally a political animal, right? Just whatever whatever's good for Casey Cagle. How come nobody talks about the the issue from eight years ago about why he did run for governor back then? Nobody talks about that. Nobody wants to cast houses. Nobody put rocks into a glass house. Um, so, uh, Lieutenant Governor, are you are you a Schaefer or are you a Hunter Hill? Hunter Hill. Hunter Hill guy. So he's done a great job demonizing David Schaefer. Those ads are dark, man. <laughs> and, and the third is uh, Secretary of State. you got David Bell Isle versus Brad Raffenberger. Yeah. Is, is that right? Uh, uh, talk about, you know, you go to the voting booth and you go, I don't know. What name do I like more? Bell Isle's cool. I'll vote for him. Oh, Raffenberger, man, I love Germans. Uh, so you doesn't he play football? I, I don't know. <laughs> that's Rothelberger. That's, oh, oh, that's a different vote. So th- this is this is a microcosm, though, of a lot of our election. Okay, we know the guy at the top of the certificate, but the top of the certificate doesn't really do anything. I mean, yeah, he signs bills and stuff, but really, it's the underlying people that that make changes. Um, I, I'm just kind of curious uh, what ends up happening tonight. Uh, uh, I was thinking about going to Kevin Abel's party, but I hate being at parties where people lose. That's why I, that's why I don't like these not, these election night parties when you just don't know. Yeah. When you just don't know. That's why it's uh, supposed to be. Isn't it? Well, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a fun fun. I, but I love election days. Those are always kind of fun uh, to see what happens. And uh, uh, but it's uh, it, the only other ballot that you have to vote on is two judges here in Fulton County, David. So you can either vote for Fanny Wills or. Some dude. I don't know. You, you pick, okay? You pick. But I would appreciate you writing my name in. Uh, that, that actually would be cool. Um, I, I Do think you want Chuck or Charles? Char- you have to put my full name, Charles H. Cook, in. Spell the cook correctly. That would be, that would be very helpful. I don't know helpful. how to spell. You know how to spell cook. Uh, how else would you spell cook? I mean, I was just curious. Um, do you know that um, uh, sale? You've heard of the company Salesforce, haven't you? Uh, big, big giant company that produces contact stuff, software. Uh, they made a donation uh, to uh, of, of a quarter of a million dollars to an immigration advocacy group recently, um, uh, and that money was returned. Hmm. It was returned uh, because uh, Salesforce sells their product to the Trump administration and ICE to, to track people. So they said, we don't want your money. It's dirty money. Um, lots of lots of uh, interesting stuff out there going on, right? I mean, it's a, um, it is uh, it is something that the politics of immigration. I was on Facebook yesterday and this morning, David, 
And I grew up in a small town in New York, as many of our listeners know. I had 50 kids in my high school class. I mean, it was a small class. I mean, it was a small school. So you knew everybody. And one interesting thing about Facebook is Facebook's helped us reconnect with with a lot of our friends from high school. I mean, you, I imagine you have some friends from high school. Well, they're all dead. They're all dead. Uh, David is approaching 90, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something about that reason that I said for last a very funny thing last night. Moses was a friend. Moses was a friend. Uh, back when Lincoln was president, I voted for him. But um, as I was, as I've read reconnections, I've I've learned that the shared experience of high school together does not necessarily mean that you share the same politics later in life. And it's been really interesting to me to see how some people who, you know, I didn't really hang out with and didn't really know in high school, share my worldview on a lot of issues. Uh, whereas some people I consider some of my best friends, people I hung around with, they their worldview is very different from mine. Uh, so it's interesting how you could take that shared experience in high school and come with a very different experience uh, in view of life. Uh, and uh, it is... Uh, it is amazing how many of them have bought into the Trump worship syndrome. Uh, TWS is what I'm calling this, the Trump worship syndrome, uh, where Trump, next to Jesus himself, uh, has done more to save mankind. Um, uh, TWS oh, is alive and well on Facebook. I don't, I don't buy that. No, of course you don't buy that because you don't worship Trump. But, David, I it's like alive Trump. and well I, on know, Facebook. He's done... Uh I think he's done an admirable job. He's certainly done more than a previous. He's done nothing. Literally. Well, I mean, maybe that's what you're hoping for. I want a president Speaking who of does nothing. Speaking of somebody that's done did nothing was Obama. He never did I, I, I'm not comparing anybody. I'm not Obama. arguing for Obama. You, you sat on the show for eight years with Obama with me. Did I sing Obama's praises on this show? No, you did not, Chuck. You are right. <laughs> Nor did no, I. just because the last guy was bad... Doesn't mean this guy's not a piece of crap. Okay, no, I mean that's I that's agree. the reality. I don't know. Um, and you know, I prefer my presidents not compromised by Russia. I mean, I just, I mean, that's how I prefer my presidents. And I don't think he was. I think this is, uh, I think this is media hype. Really? So, how do you explain what happened? How do you explain attacks on NATO, adopting the, the Russian policy on NATO? How do you explain that? I. I honestly think that uh, Trump is still the art of the deal, and oh he didn't I write the art of the deal. You know that, right? Yeah, and I think <laughs> that uh, I think that uh, anything the media—you weren't there. I I wasn't there. Well, nobody I, was there. That's the problem, isn't no, it, David? I don't think anybody should have been there. No, of course somebody should be there. I mean, you have to record what's going on. If the Trump, if the Russian Defense Ministry is releasing, hey, here's what we agreed to stuff. And everybody in the Trump administration, goes, what the hell? What did you? What did you do? There's literally nothing. It's radio silence out of there. But let's get off Trump because we don't agree on Trump. But I have something interesting. You are a big fan of the Koch brothers, right? Who spell their name incorrectly? It should be the Cook brothers, K U C K. But instead, and people call them Koch, but they're the Koch brothers. K K U C H. K. That's another version of the name. Also, I've discovered some genealogy. K U E K U Umbla E C K. Another version of the name. We'll get to my genealogy here in a minute. Uh, but uh, the Koch brothers are revving up a grassroots effort 
to lobby Congress to fix immigration. <laughs> the Koch brothers. You know how the Democrats love demonize the Koch brothers? Yeah. You know, the reality is the Koch brothers are libertarians. At, at heart, they're just libertarians. Um, si and yes, they're very pro-business, and they, they, they don't make that big sense of the environment, they're making money. But they also understand that, uh, that the administration is doing bad as it relates to immigrants. And so, as head of the conservative mega-donors network, uh, they're organizing five public rallies next week, aimed at shaking loose congressional statement on immigration and trying to get DACA passed for the kids. This is money... Coming from the Koch brothers. This is, this is interesting. Uh, Libre uh, is raising its voice on behalf of, the, behalf of immigrants, and it is. Uh, um, I, it's going to. It's not going to go anywhere. Of course, I mean, Congress is not going to fix immigration. Uh, but uh, let's talk a bit more about uh, the politics of immigration uh, currently. Uh, we come back from our break here on the Immigration Hour. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, David, are we still the most listened to post- podcast in the known universe on immigration? On immigration, yes. So not, not on anything, though. I mean, we're not, not, we're not, not close to not the big in, boys, right? Not in general. Uh, so anyway, thank you all for our listeners. Um, uh, we appreciate those that download uh, download the podcast and listen to us. Um, David, there was uh, this is really probably what I should have let off with, but there is a decision from the Supreme Court that came down on June twenty first, almost a month ago now, uh, that is um, seminal uh, in this. And it's you know it's kind of a weird decision in that you have to wonder how did a case like this 
make it all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and it was a, um, uh, I think it was a, uh, uh, really a eight to one decision. So here, here is what this decision is. It's called Perriera versus Sessions. Uh, Perriera's P-E-R-E-I-R-A. Perriera versus Sessions. So Mr. Perriera, uh, uh, he uh, was a native of Brazil, and he came to the U.S. with a visa in 2000 and overstayed his visa. Uh, he was then picked up in 2006 for uh, uh, DWH, Driving While Hispanic, and he was issued a document entitled a notice to appear. Uh, notice to appear, David, is like an indictment. It's a, like a charging document, an information uh, ticket. Say, so, hey, you have to go to court on such and such a day. Now, that particular notice to appear has a place on it. The way that these were written has a place on it that says, you are hereby ordered to appear blank line at blank line on blank line. And on uh, Mr. Perrier's notice to appear, it said, to be set, to be set. Um, and uh, about a year later, uh, he, uh, had been, he was then mailed a notice to the wrong address to go to court, um, and it was returned as undeliverable. He didn't go to court, and the court ordered him removed. In 2013... Uh, he was arrested for another uh, minor vehicle violation uh, and then detained by immigration. And they said, hey, well, you've been ordered deported. You can't go forward. His argument was, wait a second. When you served me with that document in 2006, you didn't tell me where I had to be. So therefore, that document is defective. Because under the law, it says if you are served with a notice to appear... Uh, that cuts off what is called the, st- the, the time. So he's been now he's been here for 13 years, 2013. He wants to apply for cancellation of removal, which is the law of, of 10 years. You can apply for relief if you've got extraordinary highly unusual hardship to U.S. citizen kids and 10 years in the United States. He couldn't apply for it because under the law, the notice to appear that he received in 06 cut off his time. His argument is it can't cut off time because the notice itself was defective it wasn't a proper notice to appear. And it was not cured by the filing of a notice of to go to court, which, of course, he never got. Um, so here's what the court said. Uh, first of all, it rejected Chevron's deference. And we don't have to worry about Chevron deference because the law is clear. The statute itself um, uh, says this. Continuous physical presence is deemed to end... When the person is served a notice to appear under Section 1229A. Okay, so that's, uh, that's uh, Section um, 239A of the Immigration Nationality Act. And so by referencing the act, the statute specifies where to look to find out what notice to appear referred to. What the t- so basically, what is it? What is a notice to appear? Um, and so... Section 239A says this. It says the type of notice referred to as a notice of appearance throughout the statutory section is, quote, a written notice specifying the time and place at which the removal proceedings will be held. That's the statute. Thus, to trigger the stop time rule, the government must serve a notice to appear that, at the very least, specifies the time and place of the removal hearing. 
Uh, <coughs> now, the court, some courts and some uh, government lawyers take a position as that this case is limited to whether a notice to appear without a time and date set triggers the stop time rule from taking effect. Now, the court said, of course, it does not. But I believe, as do some immigration judges and a lot of immigration lawyers, that this case goes beyond that. A notice to appear is only a notice to appear if it specifies the time and place at which the reading will be held. If it does not do that, it is not a proper notice to appear. Now that holding, if that is the holding, David, that has massive ramifications to everybody who's been ordered deported, everybody in removal proceedings today, because the vast majority of notices to appear do not have the time and date set on them. So if the holding is that the notice to appear must, to be valid as a notice to appear, must have the time and date, otherwise there is no valid removal proceedings, then a lot of people are getting their cases dismissed. Okay, But if the holding is that the stop time rule is the only is the only thing impacted by this, then of course the impact is still broad, but much more limited. Um, and uh, so the interesting part uh, of all this is this: um, the court ruled it says that the section two thirty nine a is definitional. Section 239 speaks in definitional terms, requiring that a notice to appear specify, among other things, that the time and place at which it will be held. As such, there can be no valid notice to appear without that language being in there. Uh, it specifically rejected the dissent's argument, which is only Alito, um, that that a defective notice to appear, which is fully failed to specify time, is still a notice for purposes of the stop time rule. I said, no, it's not. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, I mean, really, the, the, the Sotomayor's opinion is a direct attack on Alito. I think it's, it's just, honestly, it's, it's delicious. Uh, but here I want to read the section here of Section 239 of the Act. Okay, Section 239A in turn provides that a written notice shall be given to the alien specifying the nature of the proceedings, the legal authority in which proceedings are conducted, the acts conducted alleged violation of the law, the charges against the alien, uh, and that that he be given the time and place at which is held. We have terminated countless notices to appear that failed to include uh, the acts or conduct alleged, the charges against the alien have been violated, um, and so therefore this, which is G under 239 uh, A1A or A1G, uh, is the same thing. It's the same consequence. Um, so the the interesting thing of this is really is fascinating because Sotomayor's opinion uh, is very easy to read. Unlike a lot of the decisions you get from the Supreme Court, this is this is really easy to read. Um, and uh, as as she says here, uh, the threshold question is. Uh, 
is a notice to appear valid which focuses on all the items listed in the application? Although the time and place of your notice will vary from case to case, the government acknowledges that much of the information calls in, in the 239 does not change and is therefore included in substandard language. In fact, the government's notice to appear included all the information required except for the notice to appear. Accordingly, the dispositive question in this case is much is much narrower, but no less vital. Does a notice to appear that does not specify time and place as required trigger to stop time rule? Now, some have said um, this. If the, the court leaves from the other day the question whether a putative notice to appear that omits any of the other categories triggers a stop time rule, because okay, they were focused on the stop time rule. But really, the issue is, does that specify the time and place will be held as required and thus trigger the stop time rule? In addressing the narrower question, Sotomayor said, the court need not resort to Chevron deference. The putative notice to appear that fails to designate the time or place of the non-citizen's removal proceedings is not a notice to appear under Section 1229A. That is the holding of this case, comma, and so does not trigger some time rule. Why? Because it's not a notice to appear. That is the holding of this case. Uh, it is nothing more and nothing less. And it is something that I would hope that uh, ultimately, uh, when the appeals courts look at this issue, because I know that Sessions is having a conniption right now uh, over this, uh, because if, in fact, uh, it is not a notice to appear, if they have to go back and uh, at some point uh, uh, have a, um, uh, what would you call it, a... Um, have they have to go back and redo every notice to appear that they've done for the last 25 years that have this rule in it, it is going to cost, it, it is simply going to cause massive confusion in the immigration courts. Of course, if you want to, if you want to empty the, the court bucket, if you want to say, hey, we've got, we got to reduce the backlog, this is the way to do it. Just terminate every single case that has this in it. That is my argument. Yes, it, it, it is a radical argument, David, but as you know, I can be a radical sometimes. Uh, and if it's a radical argument, uh, uh, you can be assured that this administration will fight against it. But I'm, I'm going to be I'm curious as to what others think about this. Uh, there's a great Facebook uh, group uh, for, called uh, Perriera versus Sessions Attorneys. Um, and it is uh, has over a thousand members. Um, and um, it is. Um, it has uh, been very interesting to watch as different courts and immigration courts take the same language uh, that is um, that is here in the statute uh, in, in the decision and come to different conclusions of, of the process. Uh, I am uh, we are today arguing in immigration court um, this issue um, uh, that this is. Uh, uh, that this is really this simple. This is really that that the, the Perrier versus Sessions is really this simple. Um, so, as we move forward uh, on this, we'll see what happens. Uh, we have a case where we're going to be filing a uh, motion to reopen at the BIA. So we're going to get a BIA decision on this pretty quickly. 
uh, as I'm sure other lawyers will. Uh, it'll be curious to see how the BIA comes down on this and whether Sessions steps in himself and actually issues a ruling on this. Because Sessions can do that. He runs the BIA. He can issue a ruling that says Perriera means this, which will make it a whole heck of a lot faster uh, 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 to uh, to get it to get uh, a decision on this in a way that puts more of our clients at ease about uh, what this what this really means. Um, and um, so as we uh, as we move forward with Perrier versus Sessions, I would um, I would encourage you all to take a look at it. It actually is one of the Supreme Court decisions that really is pretty easy to read. You know, most of them are not. Uh, pretty easy to read, um, and uh, I, I I am actually really quite glad uh, that uh, we we have the Supreme Court addressing what can be uh, very simple stuff. Um, but David, let's take a break here. Our final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook. Abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar con qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet al www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, hashtag baby jails. Um, Trump administration is under orders uh, by Thursday to reunite the 20, uh, 2,100 or so youth, uh, over 5, under 18, with their parents. It turns out that they have actually deported... More than 489 of the parents without their kids. You know, uh, it is um, no surprise to anybody that knows the evil that is lurking in the heart of some of these people at ICE uh, and in the administration that literally don't care. They have no respect for international law, particularly Jeff Sessions. He has no respect for international law international treaty obligations uh, and is um, at the end of the day uh, really not a good person. Uh, Jeff Sessions will go down in history as truly one of the worst attorney generals in our country. Uh, It will be easy uh, to turn around his policies. Uh, We will get rid of them uh, and and consign them to the dustbin of history. Uh, I love the fact that there are reporters that are tracking everything that Trump does every single day. 
so that we have a record to go back and reverse the bad policies coming out of this administration. Whoever is the next president, Republican or Democrat, will have their work cut out for them to undo the harm to this country, uh, particularly in the immigration area that this administration has carried out. Uh, and, but but the, the fact that they have deported almost 500 of the parents of the babies they have jailed uh, is unconscionable. Unconscionable. Uh, and uh, we, we are so much better than this as a country. Um, and this the pathetic argument, well, they shouldn't have come with their kids in the first place. You know what? If I had a choice between my daughter being raped or my son being recruited to a gang, this is an easy choice. Uh, I come to the United States and I seek safe haven. And I expect the country, which, the, the, which Reagan once called the city on the hill, not necessarily working with open arms, but give me a chance to establish my case, but not to rip my child from my arms and deport me without that child. Uh, it is the very definition of evil. Uh, and uh, there, there will be long-term terrible consequences for these families and for those participating in this policy. Don't think the people at DHS that are running this policy well, we, that we will ever forget what you have done here. That we will ever forget the evil that you have wrought. That we will ever forget the damage you have done uh, to the process that has caused America to rise to the cream of the international crop. Speaking of that, I've been doing a lot of genealogy recently uh, on ancestry and family search and my heritage, and I have uh, recently discovered um, that uh, my family immigrated to America from Germany um, by not going through the proper paperwork, David. They did not. Um, and do you know why in 1847 they did not go through the proper paperwork? Because there wasn't any. You could just get on a boat and come. Uh, and it's really weird. Uh, my, uh, my dad is the first generation American to me. Uh, and his dad immigrated. Him, his dad and his mom immigrated to the United States. My mom's grandfather uh, immigrated to the United States as a child. And her great-grandparents immigrated from Germany uh, on her dad's side. And we have one, my mom's mom's side, uh, her mom is, uh, uh, let's call them Revolutionary War people. I've uh, been around for forever. But what I have discovered is that my grandfather's grandfather actually immigrated to America before my grandfather was born. Uh, and we discovered his family uh, in uh, Minnesota. Uh, and uh, as I did my ancestry DNA test and I got my results back, I found that I have a lot of relatives that I did not know, uh, including uh, some second cousins, Dave, which is weird because I have no first cousins. Both my parents are only children, so I have no first cousins at all. So it's no surprise that somebody came back and said, you have no first cousins. I, don't, I know I don't have any, but I've got second cousins, and it's really fascinating to see uh, how, uh, how that all comes together because I've seen my family. The immigration, how immigration has formed us uh, across generations and also the contribution 
that my ancestors made to America and how that actually worked. You know, Cook is a very unique name. I think it means like lazy farmer or something. I mean, I don't know in German. Uh, but what it does do, uh, this whole immigration thing, is it shows you how powerful immigration can be. My immigrants arrived in Minnesota before it was a state. They tamed uh, the, the great Midwest, the northern Midwest. Uh, they, they literally made America great. Now, I would like to tell you that uh, my, my ancestors were the cream of the crop, uh, but they were simply dirt poor farmers from a really poor part of northern Germany uh, seeking a better life for themselves and their family. <laughs> and it's interesting, as I, as I further researched my mom's, my dad's mom, uh, Berta Henke, uh, I, have, I have rediscovered her family. Uh, and uh, her, her brother, Rudy, who was uh, just a year older. My grandmother immigrated in 1929, and Rudy came over in 1930, right at the height of the Depression. Uh, I discovered that Rudy served in the U.S. military during World War II. Uh, so he was a German immigrant. Uh, he wasn't even a citizen when he enrolled, enlisted in the military. Uh, he just served the country that he knew uh, was uh, a bastion of hope uh, moving forward. Uh, and it's really uh, something that gives me great hope for the future, knowing uh, that immigration, if we, if we continue to ensure uh, that immigration remains open, straightforward, and welcoming, that we have a future as a country. But if we fall into the uh, Trump worship syndrome process, uh, where we, we adore everything that comes out of him, no matter how bad it is for the United States, uh, what we discover is we will have labor shortages, we will have economic stagnation. <laughs> we will lose factories and jobs abroad because we simply don't have the bodies to do the work. Um, now, interesting, it was a report from the Department of Labor, David, and I don't recall me touching on this, that kind of goes to this issue. In May, the, George, the Department of Labor uh, reported that there were more open job opportunities than unemployed people in America. Now, you, David, you, you've been trying to hire here for years, right? But you can't find a qualified person to come in. Got some interns starting. Hopefully they work out for you. Um, but I, as an employer, could tell you that there is, in fact, a labor shortage. So as more of people like David and I retire, now David is approaching 90. Uh, he's going to be retiring here in the next decade or so. Who's going to take his job? Who's going to run America's Web Radio? Who am I going to hire to take my spot? Who am I going to hire to support us in our glorious old age? Um, and this really is, if we're, not, if we're not birthing the babies, which we're clearly not doing, uh, then how do we grow the economy? How do we have job, workers for the jobs? Um, and... Uh, uh, Giovanni Perry, who's a prominent economist on immigration issues, uh, said this, um, that if we don't get immigrants in, then this will push up wages. It's not really supported by the recent experience in the labor market. Um, 
the reason that he argues that is the changing nature of jobs, mechanization, computerization, offshoring, rather than local forces of demand and supply. Right now, there's a very strong labor demand. But if companies cannot find workers to fill those jobs, this will result in slower growth and less creation of future jobs. Uh, thus, very tight immigration controls and the current policy is not going to help wages and is probably going to slow down the growth in the employment uh, of the uh, growth in employment of the overall economy, uh, and uh, this is uh, this is really powerful stuff. When you think about leading the economists are saying, "Look, if you want to cut off your nose to spite your face, go right ahead, but it's going to hurt the economy." Why would we do it? Another example of bad public policy that comes out of racism, that comes out of fear, that comes out of you're taking from me when that when when the facts show none of that to be true, but people can't get over TWS and TWS is really uh, going to be disastrous for the country should it be uh, should it continue through uh, November of 2020. Well, David, it's been a good show this week. I know you're happy to have me back. We'll be back next week here. Same bat time, same bat channel on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Till then, if you have any complaints, particularly about Trump, please send them to David at AmericasWebRadio.com. He loves getting them. Uh, they automatically go into a special box on his computer uh, that's shaped like a garbage can. Um, but if you want to reach me, you have any questions or comments, or you have some opinions you'd love to share on the show, we'd love to have you. You can email me at uh, ccook, C-K-U-C-K, at immigration.net. Until next week, this is your host, Chuck Cook of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.